So we are in the second week of our series, One Small Step. And what we started with last week was we talked about sharing the best part of our lives with the people in our lives. That once we've encountered Jesus, that becomes the best part of our life. And we should want to share that with people who don't yet know him. And hopefully at some point, if you, if you take that on, if you say, you know what, I need to do that. This is the best part of my life. I need to share it. Hopefully at some point, that results in an invitation for them to join you for a church service, which likely means at some point they come and join us here on a Sunday. And so the question that we start with there is, are we ready for them? And I don't mean do we have enough seats or enough parking or enough donuts. I'm, I'm sure those things are important on some level. But what I mean is, are we really ready for them? Because for generations, well-meaning church leaders and churches of all shapes and sizes have tried to launch outreach programs and outreach campaigns even to reach into their communities and get more people to come to churches that were made up of people who didn't really like each other that much in the first place. So you can imagine the success those churches had making guests feel like they were in a place where they were welcome and loved. It just doesn't work that way. And so we're going to talk about love today because Jesus said this in John chapter 13, verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love, the way that you love one another, will speak loudly. It's not by our facilities, not by our music style, not by our carpet color, not by our programs, our events, or even the impressiveness of our pastor's beard. All of that is just stuff. See, you're awake this morning. I'm glad to hear that. Love is what matters. Love is what tells people, hey, there's something to this. Love is what tells people, hey, you'll be at home here. And close by right along with that love is unity. In fact, one of the greatest ways we can show that we love one another is through our unified purpose in Christ. If we can be a people on a mission from God who don't get so caught up in the little things, but focus on what God wants us to do, it speaks volumes to those far from God and those outside the church. And yet I've heard it put this way. Some Christians treat church like heaven's waiting room. How many of you like a good waiting room? Anybody like that? Let me, let me sign up for that. I'm going to have extra doctor's appointments so I can go sit in waiting rooms. That's, that's where you want to be, right? Nobody ever says yes to that question. I don't understand it. So hear me out on this. Some of us, some Christians, treat the church like heaven's waiting room. We have an appointment to meet Jesus, and we're not sure when it actually is, but we're supposed to show up early, so we do. And there we wait, seemingly forever, in a room full of strangers we have no desire and no intention of talking to. And for some of us, that's how we see church. But you see, the formation of the church, it wasn't meant to create collections of isolated people. It was meant to be God's people working and living and loving together, all in an effort to share God's love with a world that desperately needs to know about it. And that unity and love that come through us living life together, it cannot be faked and it cannot be forced. One reason we put so much stock in life groups and other connections, as Anthony shared with us several weeks ago, is because your ability to cultivate true relationships, if all you ever do is come on Sunday mornings, is limited. And if you then try to share with someone in your life how important church and relationships and community are to you, and that they should care about those things too, that they should join you, it's likely that they'll see right through you. Because many of us are not actually working and living and loving together in a church community. Excuse me. (coughs) We just stop by once a week. And here's something that I have to admit. Even though I I read a ton of books about what works and what doesn't when it comes to church, as I try to lead the best way I know how and continue to learn, I have to admit this to you, the stronger our relationships are, the less we'll have to worry about strategies 
and the next good idea, and the more we can simply love people because our love for one another will consistently and constantly communicate, this is a place where you will know that you are loved. We could have the best programs and the most amazing everything, really, the most comfortable seats and a perfect temperature in every room at all times, and if you've messed with the thermostats in this building, you know that that's simply not possible, but, but we could. And the kids' ministry could be awesome, and the student ministry could be awesome, and we could have fresh-baked donuts every Sunday morning, and fancy coffee for people who like fancy coffee, and simple coffee for people who don't like fancy coffee, and we could have all, all sorts of amazing things. We could have valet parking, for goodness sake. We could, we could do whatever. But those things are not the church. We are. And if we don't love one another, we may successfully make people feel good about themselves. We may successfully make people feel well taken care of, but we probably will never successfully point them to Jesus. And here's why I believe that, because if I, as someone who was trying to share Jesus with someone else, if I describe Jesus and his love for them, which is key, you have to talk about the love at some point if you're going to tell somebody about Jesus. If I share love, but there is no obvious love in me, that person will have no reason to believe that Jesus really matters to me, that his love and what he did for me and for them really matters to me. And by extension, they won't think it ought to matter to them either. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul writes this, beginning in verse 1, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. When Paul writes these words to the Corinthian church, as part of the greater letter that we now call 1 Corinthians, he was writing in response to some issues and some questions that had come up that had gotten back to him. Some issues that were happening in the church, some questions people had. And if you read the letter as a whole, and if you were to look at other sources that give us a clue as to what the early Corinthian fellowship looked like, it becomes clear that Paul is pointing out in this particular passage that while the Corinthians had many gifts, their love was severely lacking. And so they could do a lot of good things, but it was not backed up by love. You see, here's what I hear Paul saying. He says, it doesn't matter what gifts or skills or talents that God has given you, and it doesn't matter how you use them, because if you lack love, it's all for nothing. Robert Banks, in his book, Paul's Idea of Community, says it well when he says this, exercise of one's gift, however wholehearted, is unproductive without love. It doesn't matter how good your intentions are. It doesn't matter how God has gifted you. If it is not backed up by love, the love of God, it is unproductive. And so understand that how we live matters much more to sharing Jesus with someone than having just the right words to say. And while I, would, I think we would all agree that this community, a community of believers, is important, I would suggest that we don't all value it at the same level. We don't all just understand just how truly important it is because we're, we're a part of it. We're here. But I think everyone is looking for a place to belong. Everyone is searching whether they realize it or not. And we touched on that idea last week. But if churches, if groups of Jesus followers aren't unified and loving, they won't seem like a valid option for people who are looking for a place to belong. And yet, if we can be loving and unified and be a place where people can belong, then we'll have the opportunity to share with them that this isn't actually about having a place to belong. It's about realizing to whom we belong. And we belong to God. And He loves us so much that He sent Jesus to die for our sins. But if we can't love, if we're not a place to belong or a people to belong to, it's possible we'll never get the chance to point them to Him. 
Now, here's the thing. I'm going to meddle for a minute. And it's funny. I've heard preachers say that for years, and I thought I would never say I'm going to meddle for a minute. And uh, Anthony and Gavin and I went to a, a conference just two weeks ago. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week. And there was a, there was a speaker <laughs> during his session. He kept saying, I'm going to meddle a little bit. And I want to say, you've been meddling the whole time. <laughs> but the truth, because he was. But, <laughs> but the truth is, if I were honest, I would have had to say, you've been meddling the whole time, and we probably needed you to. Because what he was saying made a lot of sense. So I'm going to meddle here for a minute, and maybe, maybe I need to meddle for a minute here. Because every church thinks that they're friendly. Every church thinks that they are welcoming. If you're a regular attender and you've been around for a while, it's likely you talk to a lot of different people on a Sunday morning. But I want to challenge you to yourself, and I'm going to do the same thing with me, to consider how many people did I talk to today for the first time? Did, did, did I seek someone out that I didn't know? Or did I talk to people I already know? You see, it's pretty easy to fool ourselves into believing that socializing on Sunday is the same as being a welcoming church. And I fought back, pretty, uh, fought back and forth pretty hard with myself about how to say this, but, but here goes. In, in any situation of life, not just at church, every interaction you have with any other person is more than just words. Because every person you meet in any situation has a backstory, has situations, has things that happened a long time ago and things that happened 30 seconds ago, have personality traits and so many other factors that influence the interaction Every word you say, no matter your intent, could be taken countless different ways. Interpreted in a totally correct manner or a totally incorrect manner or any place in between. You've been there. You understand that. And when you consider that, it's possible that the best route for us to take is to stop talking to one another because it's too dangerous. You never know when you're going to say something you shouldn't say. You didn't know it wasn't something you shouldn't say. But here's what I think. I think of love, God's love, the love of Jesus, if that kind of love, if that source of love, if we can make that the foundation, the basis for the interactions that we have, I think it would be a game changer for most of us because whether you realize it or not, most of us have an agenda for the things we say and do. I'm going to make this comment or do this thing, and, and we would not necessarily state the reason, but there's a reason, and it probably doesn't have a lot to do with the love of God. In fact, if you think back over the past week to all of the interactions that you've had, and I want you to actually do this in your head, to all the interactions you had with people, and for the sake of this illustration, I want you to consider just the words you said in those interactions. If you had only actually said the words that were intended to be said with love or to express or show or share the love of God and said none of the words that came out of your mouth for other reasons, most of us would have had a pretty quiet week. We say things to sound smart. Or we say things to, to one-up someone or to be right or to cut someone down or to get a laugh or for a million other reasons. And some of those are okay. Some of those aren't bad reasons to speak. But the words are worthless compared to words of love. Words said to express or to show or share or even just point in general to the love of God. Sometimes we don't consider the power that our words and our actions have and they can have a strong effect in one way or the other on people. But our words have power. They speak to what's in our heart. They speak to our motives. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on what's in our heart, depending on what our motives are. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 and 21 says this, Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring salvation. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who, who love to talk will reap the consequences. And so we have to be careful. We have to consider that, 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 that everything we say has, has a source. Maybe that source should be the love of God instead of 
one-upping somebody or saying something funny or getting a laugh or being right. You see, it's possible that if at some point that you invite someone to church or have an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation with somebody and say, hey, you go to church, let me ask you about your church, it's possible that at some point they will ask you, what's different about you guys? Or what sets your church apart? Or even, I've been to church and I'm over it, why should I try yours? Or, or even worse than that, I've, I've been to church and I got hurt there. <clears throat> or I've been to church and, and it messed me up. Or I grew up in church and it was just, it was not a good part of my life. People want to know, well, what, what sets it apart? What makes it different? Why does it matter? Why should I care? And that can be a tough question to answer. I, I get that question. And even as, as one of the pastors, I don't know how to answer that question all the time because you might tell them about our community involvement. You might say, hey, we, we do a lot for our community, and we try to do that. And I think we do a pretty good job of, of that. I think that's a great thing that we do, that we care. And so you might be able to answer that as, as one of the reasons. You might tell them that we have a, a strong kids' ministry, student ministry, you might say all of those things. I don't know what you would say. It could be any number of things, but what I really hope it can be, what I really hope it can become is something that should not actually be something that sets us apart. It's something that should be true of all churches if they're tr truly striving to be like Jesus, which is our love for one another, the love in our midst. And while that should be the hallmark of every church, I'm afraid some churches, a lack of love is a much more distinctive quality. And I'm afraid sometimes that's probably us. We need to be known for our love and for the source of that love, Jesus Christ and his love for us, best expressed through his sacrifice on the cross for our sins, that we could have the hope of spending eternity with God who loved us so much that he sent Jesus to be that sacrifice. You see, we should be known for love, for sacrificial love, for selfless love. So here's what I want to do. I want to spend the rest of our time together this morning by challenging you with a very important passage of Scripture that I really believe brings this whole thought process and love home for us today. It's in 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so understand right up front that you cannot separate the idea of knowing God from showing and expressing love. And I know that that sounds kind of harsh, like that's a very strong distinction. But to me, the bottom line here is if you are a hateful person, it's possible that you don't actually know God. That if, that if you're a hateful person in those moments, it would be awfully difficult to associate you with the God who is love. And beyond that, if you're a hateful person, it's a virtual certainty that no one will see God in you nor respect what you have to say about him. Even if you say you're a believer in God, a follower of Jesus, it would fully be in the realm of possibility for someone to equate God with your hatefulness, with your lack of love instead of with the love that he truly is. You see, we don't always realize this, but there is a significant amount of responsibility involved with wearing the name of Jesus, with being identified, identifying ourselves as Jesus' followers. Because when we love like God, people see God's love. And that's fantastic. But when we remind people that we're also still human, when we sin and we struggle, and even though we've never claimed to be perfect, it still reflects on God. Now, I'm not saying you need to be perfect or you're going to mess this up for God. Of course not. But what I am saying is when you wear the name of Jesus, how you live matters. How you interact with people matters. How you talk to people matters. And other people's perception of you, unfortunately, is something you have no control over. And yet, 
If we can communicate to the world that in spite of our shortcomings, our struggles, and our sins, that God still loves us. If we can pass that information on, we have an opportunity to communicate more than just God's love, but also God's grace. Verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And that's something I think sometimes we, we overlook, that when we talk about showing God's love to people far from God, we're not just talking about actions. We're not just talking about loving them. We're not just talking about being nice to them. We're not just talking about meeting needs in Jesus' name. What we're talking about is pointing them, directing them to a love, introducing them to a love that is so much greater than any level of love that we as humans could show them. Love that saved us, love that sacrificed to save us. They need to know that more than anything in the world. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And to me, uh, no verse in this jumps out to me quite as much as verse 12 there. That, that no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, his love is brought to full expression in us. To me, what that means is the closest a person may come to seeing God outside of heaven is by seeing or experiencing God's people loving one another. That the closest they can come to experiencing God is by experiencing God's love through someone who believes. We have an opportunity in that to represent God and his love in the most effective way possible if we can only love one another. If we can only one another. And on our own, I'm afraid that we're just not capable of it because we're just so flawed. Here's the thing. We, we read these things in the scripture that we're called to do, and we talk about them on a Sunday morning, and we say, yeah, that sounds like a good thing, but I'm not sure I can do that. I'm just not that kind of person. And we're, you know, we're talking about these, these small steps, and each week we've got one small step. And last week I said, have a conversation. It may not lead anywhere. It may not even turn spiritual, but have a conversation with someone far from God, maybe with somebody you don't know. And I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know, <clears throat> I probably should take the small steps too. I probably shouldn't just do as I say, not as I do kind of thing and tell you to take small steps and not take them. But I, I didn't do anything concrete about it. But God must have heard me think, hey, you need to take small steps too. Because I, I went to Walmart on Friday night. And first of all, if just tip, pro tip here, don't go to Walmart on Friday. <laughs> Some of you are like, you didn't know that already? <laughs> I know, but sometimes things happen, and you don't have a choice. That's the only time you can go. And so I went to Walmart on Friday night, and uh, whew. and I, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I was like, all right, I know what I need. I, I've got a list. I, I was getting the donuts for church, but I also needed some stuff for, for our house. So I, was, I had my two little piles in my cart. I knew which aisles I needed to go to. No, nothing too crazy. Only one out of the way move, and then back to the, you know, back to groceries, back to front, to the register, out the door. I was going to be good to go. And, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm not like a super social person. Like, I'll talk to you, and, and, and if I really know you, I'm, I'm even more comfortable with that. But I've always had this hang-up in the back of my mind that I don't know what to say in small talk because I just assume you don't care what I have to say. And I can bring up the weather or something, but oh, they're going to think I'm dumb for bringing that up. Or I, I, I don't know. I'm just not, like, I'm not a small talk person. I'll stand up here and talk for half an hour every Sunday to you, but I'm not a small talk person. I'm just not good at it. I've, I've tried, but I'm just not. And so one thing you'll never see is me talking to a stranger in a store. 
That was not my intent, at least. And so I'm walking through Walmart, doing my best to just get what I need, and I happen to have a New Life shirt on. I didn't do it on purpose. I just happened to be wearing it. Um, and, and so somebody said, hey, what, what's that? I, I was, I don't, uh, what? <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know he was talking to me at first. You know, it's one of those deals where like, oh, somebody's talking to me. I better talk back. And I'm wearing a church shirt. Oh, man, I better, t- I, at some point here, I'm probably going to have to admit that I'm the pastor. That's a, so I better, better not mess this up, right? <laughs> so I talked to him for a few minutes, nice guy, and uh, thought, well, you know, got, got, got past that, you know, had a good conversation, have a great day, enjoy your time here at lovely Walmart, and we, we moved on, and uh, it was not 10 seconds later that I hear a voice go, how do you grow a beard like that? <laughs> I looked up, I don't know this person. Sometimes you see somebody you know, and they'll say something strange to get your attention. This was not somebody I knew, and I'm racking my brain, do I know this person? And so I start talking to him about my beard. I now, neither of those conversations turned into anything spiritual in that situation, and, and maybe they should have. Um, they both actually stated that they went to church, so that was kind of part of why I didn't need to push too hard, but that's just not me, and yet I said, hey, I need to probably take these small steps too. I need to, and, and my, the small step last week was have a conversation, and here I had two, two conversations that I didn't plan to have. And it, it took me way out of my comfort zone. And, and I would tell you that, that that's just not my strength, that I, I'm not a person that can, can carry through those conversations very well. It's just not my setting. It's just not me. I just don't have the strength. And the truth is we can hear all the things and read all of the things that God has called us to do and God has called us to be. And, and we tend to say, here's where I'm going to fall short because we know what our limitations are. We know what our weaknesses are. See, you know what, I need, I need to share the love, of, but I'm just not good at it. I'm just not good at that. Well, here's what I read in verse 13. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. We need to not neglect the ability and the assistance of the Holy Spirit to give us the strength and the persistence we'll need to truly love one another. We're not doing it on our own, but God has given us his Holy Spirit. And when you feel like you just can't love God's people anymore, someone has wronged you or something has happened or whatever has caused that feeling, lean into the Holy Spirit and remember that while the church, God's people, are absolutely flawed, they are still absolutely worth loving. And when we love God's people, even when they don't deserve it, we are loving like God because he loved us and loves us even when we don't deserve it. It may be difficult for you to show love to someone far from God. Because there's such a difference in you. Lean into the Holy Spirit. Let me remind you why it's so important that love is what you express. I didn't know what to say to these guys. I'm not, sorry, I don't talk to people. That's what I really wanted to say. <laughs> but that would be wrong. And so I had conversations with these guys. Honestly, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm actually, just, I'm a little bit proud of this. If somebody had walked by the second conversation, I guarantee you they would have guessed we knew each other. And that's a big step for me. To have a conversation with somebody I met for the first time that somebody might have thought, you know what, I think they already know each other. I don't think this is just a cold conversation about a beard. It's amazing that things don't start a conversation. But we need to not neglect the fact that God has given us assistance. He's given us the Holy Spirit. That we're not on our own in the things that he's called us to do. Verse 14, furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. 
And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We'd love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, love, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. You see, if you can read through this passage and even just take it on the surface and not study it any deeper, but if you can read this passage and not realize how important our loving one another truly is, you didn't read it. It's that important because if we don't love one another, how will people see the God who is love in us? And why in the world would they ever want to be a part of us, a body of believers, if we don't love one another? And yet for generations, basically as long as the church has been a thing, I'm, I'm afraid that we've, we've been a people who sometimes exclude on a variety of bases. We, we, even though the God we claim to follow sent Jesus to die for all, not for some, we have, we have some qualifications we throw in the mix. And we, we hold grudges instead of forgiving sometimes, and we do that in spite of the fact that God has forgiven us over and over again. And we've been a people who get comfortable and complacent sometimes and who don't go out of our way to, to proactively show love. And in that, we've inadvertently, sometimes unintentionally, excluded people from our fellowship. We might be nice, we might be friendly even, but we don't go out of our way to show love. We don't put effort into showing love. Love, and yet you and I both know if people are going to see the love of God in us, it's going to take effort. So, here's your one small step this week don't settle for the status quo when it comes to how you love one another. No matter where you're at with your um, functionality, the way that you love people on a regular basis, don't settle for where you are. Don't settle for where you are. Don't, don't be satisfied with where you are. Some of you are farther along in this than others. I get that. But, but wherever you are, don't settle for where you are. You figure out this week, today even, if you can better display the love of God in your life. Choose a person who needs to know God loves them and tell them sincerely and then back it up with the way you treat them. And for some of us, that might mean that the conversation has to start with us asking for forgiveness. Because it's possible that there are people in our life who don't know Jesus that will require a reset of our relationship because we haven't always treated them in a Christ-like manner. That doesn't mean we can't share Jesus with them. You see, sometimes I'm afraid we disqualify people from a thought process like this, and we say, well, I mistreated this person before I was a Christian. Or even, even worse, we say, I, I may have mistreated this person when I was already wearing the name of Christ. It's probably not a good idea for me to be the one to share Jesus with them, to, to try to bring them along, to talk to them about God. We do that. We try to, we say, well, that's probably not, not a good idea. Listen, it just means you're going to have to start with an apology. It just means you're going to have to start with an explanation. But if they don't know Jesus yet, and you could have the opportunity to introduce them, it is worth whatever awkwardness might come. If there's someone in your life that needs to know Jesus, it doesn't matter what's in between you and having that conversation. That's a step you need to, that's a move you need to make. That's a step you need to take towards them. Or if there's an area of your life where you know you struggle to be a person who displays the love of God, that's an area where you need to focus. I'm probably going to have to start going back to Walmart on Friday nights. That's probably just going to have to be the way that it is. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't tell you this part of the story because it's the embarrassing part. I was looking down. I wasn't searching for eye contact or conversation in any way. Y'all go to Walmart. You understand how this works. 
If you've got a mission to accomplish, you go eyes down, I know where I'm going, try not to run into anybody, in, out, and there you go. I wasn't looking for it. Both times I was shocked to hear a voice that was clearly speaking to me. And choose an area where you struggle to be a person who displays love and put yourself in those positions and try to do better. The truth is some of you won't have to work hard to put yourselves in those positions because for a lot of you, it's work. It's your job where you struggle to show love. And I, and I understand I, I haven't worked in the secular workplace since high school. And even then, uh, I worked in an auto shop. I cleaned. Uh, and the owner was one of our elders at our church. And so there were quite a few guys that were followers, but there, there were some that weren't and that were not open to the idea of talking about Jesus, or even we're a little bit hostile to it. It's been a while since I've been in that setting, so I don't fully understand what a lot of you deal with on a daily basis, working with people who don't have any interest in Jesus, or in a setting where, where being a person who shows love just, just makes you kind of weird, or it's difficult. And yet this week, I firmly believe that if that's you, you can take one small step to more effectively display the love of God to your coworkers. And you may be nowhere near the point where you could eventually have a conversation about Jesus. That may not happen for a long time if it happens at all, but you can show love. You can be that person in your workplace who there is clearly something different about. And maybe at some point, maybe sooner than you think, you'll have the opportunity to introduce them to the God who's the reason there's something different about you. I said earlier that different people are going to perceive us each differently, but that their perception of us will color a lot of how they treat us and talk to us. We'll have a lot to do with whether or not they'd be open to having a spiritual conversation or even coming to church with us. And that perception, like I said, is not something that we have full control over, and I think that's why it drives us nuts when we're misperceived, if you will, when we're misunderstood. I also think on top of believing that sometimes we're misunderstood, some of us need to misunderstand ourselves. Some of us need to actually be a little more self-aware about how we're loving others, about how we come across. Some of us wonder why no one wants to join us for a Sunday at church, but we ignore the, the selfishness that's in us, or we ignore the, the hatefulness that we talked about earlier, and we say, why wouldn't they want to come to church with me? Well, you don't represent Christ well every moment. None of us do, but sometimes we wonder, hey, why isn't this happening? What happens is we think that somebody's misunderstanding us, that they're, they're misperceiving us, but instead they are simply seeing a void of love in our lives. And the way that we treat people. We all have those spaces in our life where love tends to not show up. And yet I firmly believe if we upped our game when it came to loving people, if we were intentional and proactive about loving people with the love of God, going out of our way to sacrifice for other people, to, to, to do things for other people that they don't expect, to love people when they need it and when you might not think they need it, that it would become closer to undeniable that it'd be harder for anyone to, to not see Jesus in our lives. And it'd be hard for anyone to deny us the opportunity to at least talk about where the love that we're displaying comes from. Because there is something comforting and warm and even irresistible about someone who truly displays the love of God. People tend to be drawn to those people, not repelled. And you may not realize this, but we can be those kinds of people because if you and I have experienced the love of God, we can display the love of God. Once you've experienced it, you can pass it on. And we need to pass it on. Because there are people in our lives who need to know, and if we don't tell them, they may never find out. So this week, how can you display the love of God in your life?
at a higher level? What can you do that's intentional? How, how can you make one small change toward that? Well, who's one person that you can treat better, that you can treat differently? One apology you can make, one sacrifice you can make for someone else, one gift you can give or favor you can do that is not for your own good, that is, that is not to, to get you ahead, but, it, but is simply to express the love of God. If we each took this week and made one small step, did one thing, it would make a huge difference. And in the life of that person, eventually it could make an eternal difference. So this week, take one small step. Love people. Let's pray. I thank you for continuing to challenge us with your word. God, I pray that we would stop sitting back and waiting for opportunities to show love, but that we would open our eyes and pick our heads up, if you will, and look for those opportunities. God, if the, if the closest someone can come to, to truly seeing you in this world is by experiencing your love, I pray that we could be your vessels in that, that we could deliver that message to the people in our lives who need to know you. And God, we can, we can talk about this in generalities all day long, but I believe you put people on our hearts and in our minds when we have these conversations, when, when we talk about things like this, that you, that you put real people, real faces, real names on our hearts and in our minds. And I pray this morning, if that's the case, that, that we wouldn't forget that. And that those names, those faces would be the people we seek to love this week in a deeper way, in a better way, in a new way. And God, if we're not sure we can, if we doubt our ability to do so, even if we want to, if we doubt our ability to do so, God, help us to remember that your Holy Spirit is with us. Help us to remember that we have backup. That it's not all on our own power, but you're with us. God, I believe that in our hearts, we want to see the whole world come to know you. And that's a huge undertaking. But God, I pray that that you continue to help help us to see how one small step gets us that much closer to the whole world knowing you. God, help us not to settle for the people in our lives not knowing you staying that way. Help us to desire for them to know you and help us to take whatever steps need to happen to make the introduction. I thank you for loving us, for demonstrating the greatest love there's ever been. I pray that we can even somewhat come close to loving other people like you've loved us. Help us never to stop trying to do that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.